This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. So we've noticed that you hadn't talked for a while. Um, is it anything to do with anything on your mind, or has it just been coincidence that you haven't talked what, for some time? Why do you care? Because you usually talk. Oh, well, I, feel like, I ain't feel like talking the last couple of days. It was anything in particular? No, I just ain't feel like. Anything to do with conversation about free agency? Yeah, that's the conversation you're going to have. I don't think about that type of stuff. That's your job. You've obviously been around the noise for so long. Is it bothering you more this year? Is it louder this year? It's unnecessary. You got to do Ethan Strauss who come in here and <clears> – <throat> Just give his whole opinion on stuff and make it seem like it's coming from me. And he just walk around here, don't talk to nobody. Just walk in here and survey and then write something like that. And now y'all piling on me because I don't want to talk to y'all about that. I have nothing to do with the Knicks. I don't know who traded Porzingis. They got nothing to do with me. I'm trying to play basketball. Y'all come in here every day, ask me about free agency, ask my teammates, my coaches. You rile up the fans about it. Uh, let us play basketball. That's all I'm saying. And now when I don't want to talk to y'all, it's a problem with me. Come on, man. Grow up. Grow up. Yeah, you. Grow up. Come on, bro. Yo, Kevin Durant does not like the sports media. At all. You just heard that clip. Telling dudes in the media to grow up. I'll tell you right now, if you're a New York Knicks fan, and I am a New York Knicks fan, I'm going to give you some free advice. Save yourself a few months of stress. Don't hold your breath. Dude is not going to be a New York Knick this summer. I'm telling you right now. I don't care what any rumors say. I don't care what any published reports say. I don't care what any NBA insider says. I don't care about any of that. I'm telling you right now. If his relationship with the media is that salty in Oakland, just imagine what it would be like in New York with the New York City media. You got a guy who's very sensitive and as amazing as a basketball player as Kevin Durant is. He's a sensitive dude. It's known that he has burner accounts. The last thing on earth that he's going to do is deal with the New York City media on a daily basis. So again, if you're a New York Knicks fan, such as I am, I don't care about their cap situation, any of that. Don't count on it happening. It's not because James Dolan is the worst owner in the world. He is. It's not because their roster is trash. Right now it is. Doesn't matter. I know they can sign two guys, two max guys. I'm telling you now, Kevin Durant will not be one of them. 
That dude ain't going to want no part of the New York City media. None. Anyway, welcome to episode number 92 of the Moranalytics podcast. Today is Friday, February 8th, 2019. No special guests on today's show. However, I do have my buddy Joe on for our recurring Running With Joe segment. Today, I'm going to lay out for everyone listening how it's almost impossible to be a Boston sports fan these days, especially if you're like 30 years old or younger and not be completely and utterly spoiled. We discussed that and ugh, as a Buffalo sports fan, it's just depressing to go through this list when I lay it out with Joe. But we talk about that. We both agree that the Super Bowl got the MVP wrong last week. Stephon Gilmore should have been MVP, not Julian Edmond. We agree on that. We discussed that. We have a pretty spirited discussion about the Buffalo Bills and their running back, LaShawn McCoy, about him having a future with the team. Neither of us are convinced that he's going to have a future with the team. Well, I should say this. I'm less convinced than Joe is. So we talk about that. We talk about the Buffalo Bills, who along with the Arizona Cardinals are dead last in the NFL when it comes to Super Bowl odds for this year. I don't agree with that shit at all. Don't get me wrong. They shouldn't be the favorites. They certainly shouldn't even be in the middle of the pack. Maybe even not the bottom third. But dead last with Arizona? Nah, man. I just don't buy that. We talk about that. We talk a little Becky Lynch. We talk a little Buffalo sports media beefing again. We talk about another horrible tweet from my main man, Sully. So bad that, frankly, it makes me think that he's doing it intentionally. Joe, (laughs) I don't know how this happened, but Joe also finds a way to work germs, church, and shaking hands with people all in the one take. And the segment ends, honestly here, I'll probably spend at least the next week pondering and deliberating if I could ever forgive this fucking dude for not immediately knowing one of the most iconic songs of the entire 1980s when I bring it up to him. All that, much more coming up in just a few. By the way, got two big podcasts coming up next week. Next Tuesday, I'll have Charlotte Wilder, who between her work at Sports Illustrated, her Wilder Project SITV series, and the most valuable podcast that she co-hosts, Charlotte's become one of the hottest entities in all the national sports media. She'll be my guest on Tuesday. And then next Thursday, I'll have John Vogel from The Athletic on. I'm sure we'll talk to Manny Chell, some Buffalo Sabres, hopefully, When we do that show, the Sabres will still be in the thick of a playoff race. And who knows, maybe they'll have even made a trade by then, something worth talking about. So those are two big-time guests for next week. Gotta ask for a favor here at the top. I always do this at the close of each episode. But let's be real here, man. I know not everyone who's listening right now is going to end up listening the entire way through. So I want to throw this out here right at the top. I'm like literally right on the cusp of cracking the iTunes charts for having top sports podcast. And I could get there if all you listening right now just go out and subscribe. You don't need a YouTube tutorial to do it. Just open up that Apple Podcast app that's on your phone. Search for Moranalytics Podcast and hit the subscribe button. Do that. That's all you got to do. And these episodes... When they come out, you'll get them within minutes of the release. That's what happens when you subscribe. You get them quicker than anyone else. Bonus points to my fans and listeners out there. If you can leave a nice five-star review, that helps as well. 
One last thing too. After the running with Joe segment, I got an Alicia Keys clip with James Corden. You need to hear this. If you were on the fence about watching the Grammys this Sunday, if you even knew that the Grammys were on this Sunday, now you do. If you're on the fence about watching it, this clip's going to do the trick. I guarantee it. So on that note, let's get into today's podcast. And here's another edition of The Running With Joe. All right, the running with Joe. Got my buddy Joe on the line. Buffalo wins on Twitter. What's going on, man? How you doing? Living the dream, man. Living the dream. What's up? <laughs> I want to start here today, okay? This is a topic, I don't want to say that it's right or wrong, but it's something that I feel very strongly about. Now that the New England Patriots won yet another Super Bowl, I feel like at this point, Boston sports fans especially younger Boston sports fans, and by younger, I mean like maybe around 30 years old or so or younger, they simply can't relate to sports fans of other cities anymore, and especially those from Buffalo. And I mean, let's face it here, most of the people who listen to this podcast, the majority of our listeners are Buffalo sports fans. And let me prove to you exactly what I'm saying. And I'm going to forewarn you right now, dude. I'm going to hog the mic for at least a few minutes here. So. You good with that, man? All right. Now, I want to paint a little bit of a picture here. I did some research, and this is just how spoiled and unrelatable Boston sports fans have become. And admittedly, part of this is jealousy. Part of this is envy. Uh, part of this is just having appreciation for how good these teams are. But mainly, I'm going to admit it, is jealousy. Typically, okay, this is the data I use. I took a 30-year-old Boston sports fan, okay? And let's just say that, and I think you would agree with this, probably you got to be about 12 years old. I think when you're 12 years old, you're old enough to really start understanding sports and be an actual fan of the team. I think before you're 12 years old, you're walking around in Buffalo Bills t-shirts and jerseys and shit because your parents make you. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Well, I was a prodigy. I knew what was going on at eight. But yes, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, then you're a prodigy. Let's say most people aren't. So I used... 12 years old is that parameter. I think that's when you could first truly start to appreciate being a sports fan of a team, okay? So if you're 30 years old now, that means you've been legitimately a Boston sports fan for the past 18 years. Here's what you've been rooting for over the past 18 years. Let's start with the Patriots, okay? Six Mm -hmm. Super Bowl rings, nine Super Bowl appearances, 13 AFC Championship games, 17 of those 18 years making the playoffs. And the one year that you didn't make the playoffs, you went 11 and five that season. Okay. That's the Patriots. Obviously you got the Boston Red Sox, four world series championships, 10 playoff appearances. And don't forget, this is baseball. Not everyone makes the playoffs. 10 playoff appearances, 15 winning seasons in the last 18 years. Then you get the Celtics. One championship, sorry for, you know, all the Boston Celtics fans suffering out there. Two championship (laughs) appearances, six Eastern Conference championship appearances, 14 playoff appearances in 18 years. And then last, you got the Boston Bruins. One Stanley Cup, two Stanley Cup appearances, 12 playoff appearances, and only six years where they didn't make it past the first round of the playoffs. You know what I mean? 
Or I'm mm-hmm. sorry, where they did. Sorry. You got so much suffering there. Only one out of every three years you get past the first round of the playoffs. But you did win a Stanley Cup. Again, 30 years old, bro. The last 18 years, you start being a fan at 12 years old. You've run through all that shit. How can a Boston sports fan relate to any suffering from any other fan base? And before I get your take on that, let's let's turn to Buffalo, okay? During those 18 years, same deal. You're a 30-year-old Western New Yorker, Buffalo sports fan. The Bills have been to playoffs one time during those 18 years. Three winning seasons during those 18 years. Never better than nine and seven. And they had two more seasons when they were eight and eight. So five times in 18 years, the Buffalo Bills have had a team that's 500 or better. And then you got the Sabres. Zero Stanley Cup appearances. Two conference final appearances. Six playoff appearances in total. None of those coming in the last seven years. And counting, because this year could easily be eight if they don't turn it around soon. You know, that's Buffalo. Now, not every sports franchise is, you know, as mediocre as Buffalo has been. But still, when I've just ran off all that Boston shit, which took me forever to get through, isn't it just crazy? How could they ever relate that fan base to fucking anyone else? I mean, I guess the only thing you could do is like the kid, the, their parents tell them how horrible it was to be a Red Sox fan in 105 years or whatever it was that they didn't have like a World Series. And they, they think they pass that on to them. But yeah, there's no... They've been winning. I think, like, you know, all this stuff, like, this past week we just saw with, like, America rooting against the Patriots, you know, and, and like, yes, in Buffalo, people hate the Patriots because they've been kicking our asses forever. But, like, everywhere in America hates the Pats. I I know fans of different teams from, from – I know a guy who is a, a Detroit Lions fan, and he hates the Patriots more than I hate them. I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, what have, what's the Patriots done to Detroit? You know, it's the Lions. And they, they play them once every four years. I think a lot of it is, I think, Boston fans in general suck. They are probably the worst fan base in the country. They've always been obnoxious because they used to always have a little bit of that woe is me forever. Like, you know, when they weren't winning, even though they kind of were winning, like what the Celtics were winning in the 80s and whatnot. But they always had this woe is me and like obnoxious, a little bit like the Bills, Bills fans in general. Like, ah, because it's Buffalo, like we suck. And then once you're kind of like a loser – and all of a sudden you start winning, you start being arrogant about it. And that's how I think Boston fans are. They're completely arrogant. Like the people that run Barstool, they suck. They're horrible people. And they're all Celtics fans, or, you know, Boston fans. You know, so I think that's that's where you're at. And hey, you know, good for them. Like, hey, that's great that they won. They've got like 5,000 titles and they win it. They got more parades than ever, you know, but uh, their fans suck. I think I think that's a big reason why people hate Boston. Well, too, like I said, if you're going by the parameter of 30 years old and these kids started following them when they're 12, they don't know what it's like to not be great. The worst season the Patriots have had for a 30-year-old male or female Boston sports fan is an 11-5 season where they didn't make the playoffs. That's the worst season that they've had in 18 years. Yeah. And like I I said, four World Series championships to go with that. Yeah. I mean, look, like I said, good for them. And yeah, they're not, they're not, they, they don't, they, they cannot, they obviously cannot relate to losers. And I guess if that's, if that's the overall point, if they can't, like they have to talk to their parents. Cause again, prior to them doing all this, all this winning, Boston was known as being like a tortured city, even though I don't even really agree with that. Cause like the Celtics were always winning, yeah. but like the Patriots were always horrible. Like our child, I mean, they, the Patriots didn't get good until like 
what, 94 when Parcells got there. They, they were they were a laughing stock. Uh, you know, you could count them as a win every time the Bills played them from like 88 to 94, basically. And uh, the Celtics, you know, they they had their they they got all those banners, so they've always been good. Even though the Celtics, they had they kind of had like a period from like I want to say like between like ninety to two thousand six, they weren't very good. And then Boston, of course, Boston is like of the of the twentieth century. That the Red Sox are the the team that had like the saddest like history that everyone threw into anyone's face. Like, oh, we have the saddest team history because of Buckner and. And then, you know, selling the Bambino and the, and the Yankees owning us, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, hey, good for their kids. They don't, they don't know what it's like to be a loser. And, you know, yeah, we're envious of that. I wish we could get that one day. Well, you know, we could say that that Boston sports fan base are a bunch of assholes. And to some extent, I absolutely think they are. But at the same token, you got to admit that it's also a lot of jealousy, man. A lot of it. These are fans. And maybe they're obnoxious because, again, if you're around 30 years old or so, and especially if you're younger, you literally don't even know what it's like to not be good. One of those teams are winning a title every year, and sometimes multiple teams are, and one or two or three of them are always in contention. Conversely, you know, you got Buffalo, and I don't like I said, you're 18 years old, man. You could legally go and vote, and from the time you were born until now, you've watched one Bills playoff game, one, if you're a Sabres fan. You know, if you're 10 years old, I'm sorry, if you're 18 years old and you started following a team when you were 10, you've only seen them play in the playoffs one time. You know what I mean? To an extent, I think, and I admit this, Buffalo sports fans are jealous. We want to have that kind of winning because we want to be like that. And to some extent, fuck, man, I'm good with that. I'm good with being an obnoxious asshole if my team's always good. I'm willing to take that chance and I'll become an obnoxious asshole. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, look, and I, 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 I like, there's things about like, I mean, this specifically, it's, it's more about the Patriots for me. Like, I don't really follow baseball that much, you know, in terms of the, the whole city dynamic, but with the Patriots, look, I don't like there's, I, I'm not on team. I hate the Patriots. I don't really like them. Like there's people I don't like within that organization. Like I don't like Bob Kraft. I think he's a douche. Uh, I don't like Julian Edelman. He just annoys me for whatever reason. I respect Tom Brady. I mean, hey, he's got Giselle. Good for him. I wish I could I could go home to Giselle every freaking night. Um, I like you know Belichick. I respect him. And like you know, I, I can I can I can separate the fact that hey, like good for them. You know, I I don't like them. I kind of do want them to lose. But I, at the end of the day, I understand that you know my team has always sucked. So you know, I can hate and want them to lose because out of spite. Which hey, I understand that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really at that point with wanting like waking up and just being enraged by the Patriots, you know? Because I think of it as hey, like I, our sports teams suck. Like we need to get that in order first, and then we can figure out like how much we can really hate the pa- Patriots. But I understand that people want to do that and wake up hating them every day. You know what I mean? I mean, there's like inter- you know, there's parts of the Patriots like I said I hate, and and Boston fans I definitely I am not a. I don't like any of their fans. They're all assholes. So, <laughs> Well, I just saw the ratings for the Super Bowl, and I'm surprised. Actually, the worst ratings they've had in a decade, which is surprising Ooh. because, I mean, you got Boston and you got L.A., two major big-time well, that- markets, which kind of tells you that at least part of it is people are sick of the Patriots. I think I, I, dis- I, I do agree to a certain extent. I think that is more... And I, I kind of was going to shoehorn this and I tried to at some point. I think L.A. does not give a crap about the NFL oh, when it I comes agree. to the Rams. That's the, their ratings were not very good. It was below like the national average, which is unheard of. 
And I know people in that are from LA and they do not care about the Rams. They're, they, LA got the Rams because of like corporate dollars with the hopes that they can build this stadium. And they're going to have all these fortune 500 companies there who are going to buy luxury boxes and all that stuff. But like, you're middle class, low class, whatever, you know, they don't care about the Rams. Like it's it's just it's an expat city for the most part where a lot of people go live there who are from different parts of the country and I don't think people cared about the that at all. They weren't even at the game. Like yeah. I don't even think I heard Rams fans cheering no, during that. It was game. almost like a New England home game, which is ironic considering again that, you know, most of the nation hates the Patriots. Well, they didn't hate them in Atlanta because that was like a home game for them. Yeah, totally. All right, let's move on. FanDuel released next year's Super Bowl championship odds and tied for dead last in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals, 150 to 1. Buffalo Bills, dead last. How does that happen? I, don't get me wrong. Yes. I ain't trying to run to the casino right now and throw money down on Buffalo, but why are they tied with Arizona for being dead last? I could think of teams that have worse situations than them. Why are they dead last in the whole NFL? Because there's like four players in the team that any bookie or any average fan of the NFL can name, I guess. Yeah, um, but what you're you saying, know, they, I mean, you look at the odds and, and what that tells you is that the league, or I should say Vegas at least, considers the Bills the worst team right now in the NFL. I just don't buy that. They're Like I said, they're 150 to 1. Yeah. I looked it up. Raiders, Redskins, Miami, they're all 100 to 1. Why such a big difference? The Raiders are a disaster. Big time disaster. Washington... You know, Alex Smith's leg fell off. Who knows? I don't even think he's going to be playing in 2019. Miami's already talking about Ryan Tannehill getting cut. They're pretty much going to throw in the white flag in 2019 and, and tank for a better pick, you know, for the future and all. But they're all favored, heavily favored more than Buffalo at 150 to 1. I just don't get how they're dead last with Arizona and the entire NFL. I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely probably pick, say, like, Buffalo is better than Miami right now. Uh, the Raiders as well. So, yeah, I can see them in like that 28, 27 range. But I think maybe maybe the odds makers think Gruden's going to turn it around. Maybe they forgot about Miami. I don't, I don't know how you could have Miami like, you know. But, but, you know, the thing with Miami, Miami, what Miami finished? Like they finished eight and eight, I think. Right. They were like respectable. And they did beat the Patriots. I mean, we. we uh, those, dude, they're tanking. They're getting rid of Tannehill. They're, I, well, they're, know, they're totally rebuilding. They got no cap yeah. room. But it hasn't officially happened yet. I think when it's only February, like I think when we see in, in March, those odds will go up a little bit, like for the Bills, probably. I mean, we're, we keep talking about this damn cap space. We got to assume they're going to sign some guys to get better. But yeah, I mean, yeah, 30 seconds does seem super, super low, but they're not, you know, I don't know. They they were six and 10, but they 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 have like such a kind of like a, a roster that only has like maybe like five or six. And I say household names like loosely with them right now. They probably so, don't even have that. But even, like yeah. I said, 150 to 1. No, listen, I don't care if it's 800 to 1. I can think of a lot better things to do than take a $20 bill and go bet on the Bills to win the Super Bowl, whatever the odds are, because they're not winning the Super Bowl next year. I don't care what the odds are. I just consider it a slap in the face to the organization that they're dead last. I would probably have them get over the Jets. Ah. I mean, I'm not impressed at all. The New York Giants are, I mean, the Giants are 50 to 1. The Bills are 150 to 1. Eli Manning's 10,000 years old. Why is that the case? Uh, Tampa well, Bay. Have, I live near more, the Florida area. Okay, talent. I live near Tampa Bay. That team sucks. They suck every year. They underachieve. They got a quarterback who's going into his fifth year. He fucking blows. Yeah, they got a new head coach. But seriously, that team is a disaster. They're perennial underachievers. 
yet they're 50 to one while the bills are 150 to one. I just Again, don't, I don't get it. I think it's talent. I think it's talent level right now. It's what it's at. And I think they, they are looking at talent, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I think 32nd is pretty low, but I don't, I don't think that's a big thing, a big difference. Like what are they? 28th, maybe 29th. I don't know. I don't know why. Well, I, it's a hundred. I mean, that's a lot of money. 150 to one as opposed to 50 to one. Yeah. Well, I don't gamble, and that's the reason why. <laughs> well, like I said, I don't care if the odds are 150 to 1, 200 to 1, 400 to 1. I'm not going to go running to the bookie and waste my money betting on the Buffalo Bills and win a Super Bowl. That's not going to happen. Now, if you're talking playoffs, sure, man, I could get down with that for sure. But Super Bowl, nah. Anyway, New England is favored. Surprise, surprise, to win the Super Bowl again next year. I think they're 8 to 1. Kansas City's 9 to 1. New Orleans is 9 to 1. And then you got the Rams in fourth. At 11 to 1. We didn't talk about the Super Bowl. We're really, we're not going to, but I will say this. I don't want to take too much credit away from the New England defense because I thought that they were sensational. But at the end of the day, Jared Goff just didn't get it done. I feel like he lost that game more than New England won that game. I feel like if he plays even 80% of what he was for most of the regular season and makes the throws that he usually makes, that probably the Rams win this game by double figures. Maybe I'm wrong though. Yeah, he he didn't he didn't fare do well at all. But I, I I still kind of believe in him. He had a really great season, and he's only in his third year. I, I you know I I don't think it's he still has a lot. For, he can still grow, I think. And but yeah, he was a big part of why they lost. Also, the, I don't know what the hell was going on with Todd Gurley, like them misusing him or yeah, I, was, was he hurt or they pissed him off? Yeah, that, there's some weird stuff going there. It was a boring Super Bowl overall. It was it was definitely a defensive struggle. Or defense, you know, offensive struggle. The defense has really, you know, took it up a notch. And then, like the Pats woke up on that one drive where they just ran, just threw it down the field, and Gronk and Edelman made plays. I'll say this though, with with the Super Bowl, I'm surprised Edelman won MVP. I would have given it to like Gilmore, yeah, or, like too. a defensive player. Like, yeah, Gilmore was outstanding in that game, and yep. uh, you know, he's I'll be you know, every Bills fan hate, like hates Gilmore. I never really understood that at all, and I always. You know, I was I had mixed feelings towards him at times, but I thought he overall he was really good here, especially at the like his last couple of years. But Bills fans always hated him. They had that one reporter who's not in Buffalo anymore, so I could talk trash about him since he's not going to be on the podcast. Jordan Javad like had like a a takedown of him. I remember a couple of years ago, and he sounded like a jerk off, and I hated that. And anyway, I, I thought I, I don't know why Bills fans hate Gil. I mean, if you want to hate Gilmore because he's on the Pats, fine. But oh, they hated him even on the Bills. Gilmore was a business first guy. He wasn't a rah rah guy. He wasn't a quote unquote Buffalo guy. He wasn't too entrenched in the community. But he's a good football player. He was on some bad football teams, some underachieving football teams. He went to New England. And he's one of the best corners in the NFL. I think Pro Football Focus might have had him as a top graded quarterback. He's, cornerback this year. He's a shutdown corner right now. He's an yeah. All Pro. Yeah, he was he's the MVP of the Super Bowl. I, I could not agree with you more. You know, you mentioned something about a boring week. The whole Super Bowl thing, the game itself was kind of boring. Well, I don't want to say boring. It wasn't explosive. It wasn't boring because it was a one-score game. I'd rather have a low-scoring defensive struggle where you're one play away from a team winning, which was the case in the Super Bowl, as opposed to, say, losing 35-3. to To me, that's more boring than anything else. But anyway, here's my point. And I talked with um, Tone Bucks with, uh, about this on Tuesday. The NBA, and I know you're not a huge NBA guy, but they kind of dominated Super Bowl week, dude. They kind of dominated Super Bowl week. I watch, I haven't been watching much Sports Center lately, but I did this past week. And that Porzingis trade from the Knicks on Thursday grabbed all the headlines. 
I told Tone this. I woke up on Saturday morning, just the day before the Super Bowl, man. Turn on Sports Center, top story. Paul George is dropping 10 three pointers. And then the second story the New York Knicks fans are chanting for Kyrie Irving. Now you got the Anthony Davis stuff going on. That kind of dominated the Super Bowl week. And I'm not going to get too much into detail because I know you got a finisher on that. But point being, the NFL, I might, listen, they're still king, but the NBA is kind of gaining on them. And I feel like they kind of dominated Super Bowl week. Yeah, the NBA is great. I mean, I do follow the NBA. I actually follow it probably as the second most closely sport, you know, after the NFL. They're always, I, I saw this tweet, someone tweeted this out and it was comparing the NHL, the NHL to the NBA and how like the deadlines for trade deadlines are completely different. Like on deadline day for like the NHL, it's like, it's like the fourth line guy gets moved somewhere. And with the yeah. NBA, it's like franchise guys get moved. It's awesome. It's, I've always loved the NBA. I wish Buffalo still had the Braves or they, I'd re- I would take, I would take a basketball team over a hockey team. No, no bullshit. So would I. I would take. That's a hot take. I would take. Yeah, that's I a agree. hot take. I don't care. I'm, I'm taking that. But the NBA overall, it's great. It's a star-driven league. They get it. They hate Trump, which is great, and they all and they all put it out there, which I think is awesome. You know, it's just, it's it's a great league. It's entertaining. I've I've been a big I'm an NBA fan since I was a kid, like since like Jordan and the players run the know, league the in the one. NBA. The players run the league in the NBA. The star players go where they want to. They become free agents. Yes, I like the way the NBA is structured. You could go over the cap to re-sign your own guys, so you can get more money by staying with your team. But you have that option. You could go anywhere you want to go. The NFL can make that impossible. See Le'Veon Bell, for an example. You know, they can yeah. franchise guys, guaranteed money is the only thing that counts. Contracts don't mean dick in the NFL. They can, the owners could get rid of you for any reason, anytime. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that it costs them is that guaranteed money or a signing bonus or whatever. NBA, all guaranteed. The players, they get they get to drive the league. I mean, it gets a little bit out of hand. These superstar players, you know, they want to get dealt and bam, they're gone. That much I kind of don't like. But I do like the fact that the players have the ability, the freedom yeah. to do what they want to do. That's why when the CBA comes up in the NFL, I've seen I've seen players tweet this out a few times with the NFL. Like they look at the NBA and they're like, look at how much guaranteed money they're getting. And their salaries are way bigger than the NBA than the NFL. And they're, they're going to definitely say, hey, where's that guaranteed money at? And they should be getting, like the NFL, they should be getting more guaranteed money. I mean, the NFL is more popular ratings-wise than the NBA, yet those those players get like everything. You I'm, know, really, I'm money. really looking forward to seeing what happens, how things play out with Le'Veon Bell this offseason. I mean, he gave up $14.5 million last year, set out the whole season. Financially, I want to see if it was worth it for him. I don't think it's going to be worth it financially, but I'm interested to see in how much interest is going to be out there for him and what kind of money he's going to get. Because he's probably the best running back in the NFL. But considering what happened last year with the money and all that shit, I'm not sure that there's going to be more than maybe two or three teams maximum that are in on him. Yeah, for Le'Veon Bell, I agree. I mean, I think it's it's he's at, he, he, he's at a position that doesn't get paid that much to begin with. But, you know, maybe, maybe that was going to, again, all these teams have cap space. Maybe they're going to be like, hey, hey screw it. Let's go forward. I always consider, like, when it comes to paying for a running back, uh, if you're, like, one player away from, like, being, like, a Super Bowl team, you know, you got a great de- – you got a good defense, you got the quarterback, you got the, a couple of wide receivers, and, you, and you're and you good with your cap, then, yes, go pay a running back to kind of put you over that thing. I don't think you pay a running back if you're, like, rebuilding or you're, like, in the middle of the pack when it comes to where your team is at. But in, he in is a talented guy. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the Indianapolis Colts will be a team, a fun team to watch. I, I imagine yeah. him going there. They got the cap room. In fact, they got more cap room than anyone in the NFL. 
and you put yeah. him on an offense with Andrew Luck, that would be that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And that would be something I would do if I was them because they are right there. Like they are, you know, a, a nine, 10 win team and boom, like do that's where you go from, you know, get him and a couple other guys. And then you're, you're in that 11, 12 range. And that's, you know, that's a Super Bowl contender basically. Sure. Let's circle back to the bills real quick. Okay. Ken Dorsey recently got named bills quarterback coach. It's yet another Carolina connection to the Buffalo organization. Pretty sure you got a thought on that. Are you getting sick of hearing Carolina guys going to Buffalo? I think there is definitely, look, I, I'm not, am I going to die in that, in an island of, oh, why are they getting all these Carolina people? No, it is known that if you come from an organization, you're going to bring guys in from that organization, players, coaches, Bill Parcells used to have Parcells guys. And whenever he would go to different teams, he would bring those players there and he would bring those coaches there. Now it can burn you. It burned the last coach that was here for the bills. It, it burned Rex Ryan when he had like six former jets and he brought over the entire Jeff staff over here and it bombed badly. You know, with the Bills and like the Carolina stuff, look, the guys they brought in, they brought in mostly players. Like the coaching staff, I think there's only like two Carolina, not counting McDermott, but there's only like two Carolina Panthers uh, coaches on the staff. There's Dorsey and there's some, one other guy, I forgot his name, some dude. But player wise, like they brought in Kelvin Benjamin, he sucked, he was awful. They brought in Mike Tolbert. He was awful as well. And he was supposed to be like, you know, replacing your boy Gilsley. And, you know, he was was replaced Carlos Williams. And he was horrible that one year he played here. They even drafted. I don't know if you remember. I was thinking of this just now. They they drafted Austin Prohl, who was Ricky Prohl's son, who I think some people said, like, they drafted him as a favorite of Ricky Prohl, who used to play for Carolina. So, like, you know, there's definitely substance there for anyone to complain. And I think anyone who tries to sit there and go, oh, stop complaining, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, like, the guys they've brought in are either have either not worked at all or it's still in that wait and see mode. So it is, it is, I don't know. I get it why they do it, but like, after a while, like, okay, can we get some new blood in possibly? Or, you know, stop telling me not to be question this because I think it is worth questioning a little bit. Well, I don't want to diminish the importance of having a good quarterback coach. I do think it's important. But in this specific case, I probably would say that, in my opinion, there's not a coaching staff position on the Buffalo Bills that is less important to me right now than quarterback coach, even though they have a young quarterback in Josh Allen. And that's simply because I am such a big Derek Anderson guy. That quarterback room is set. Derek Anderson's a third-string quarterback, but to me, He's a mentor, a really good mentor to Josh Allen. So to me, he's almost like another quarterback coach. So not really concerned about Ken Dorsey, whoever the quarterback coach is. I'm not really concerned. I don't know. I'm not a big Derek Anderson guy. I mean, whatever. I think, I don't know. what what not on the football field, I'm not. He's just a third-string quarterback. Yeah, but what makes you think he's like this coach? Like his, I never thought of Derek Anderson when he played for Cleveland and Arizona, and then he played sometimes in Carolina as this like really smart guy. I mean, he could be like a leader who is like, Hey, do it this way. Or like, kind of like has like a, a couple of valor quotes that he can share with Josh Allen. But I don't, I don't think of him as like this smart guy. I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I just kind of, he's a smart guy. He's been in the league for 14 years. He's the third quarterback. So it's not like we're one Josh Allen ankle away from Derek Anderson being the starter. Sure. I just, I just don't, I just don't, under, I mean, look, if Josh Allen likes Derek Anderson, fine. Keep Derek Anderson here forever, you know, but I'm just, I don't, I don't go into this. Like that, that quarterback room is amazing because Derek Anderson's smart. 
Yeah. You know, you know what's kind of funny? We've been going for nearly a half hour now. We've talked about the spoiled Boston sports fan base. We've talked a little bit about the Super Bowl. We've talked about Ken Dorsey, new quarterback coach. We've talked about Derek Anderson. Talked about Super Bowl championship odds. You know the one thing we have not talked about? It is now officially the NFL offseason. And for teams like Buffalo, that's a very exciting time. The Bills are 0-0, zero and, zero, and so are 31 other teams in the league. This is a busy, exciting time of the year. Guys around the league are going to get cut. Some guys are going to re-sign. This is all in advance of free agency, which I think starts on March 13th. So there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of action going on starting now and for the next couple of weeks. And certainly that definitely includes the Buffalo Bills. Now they don't have a bunch, and you said this earlier, star players. So there's not a lot of drama on who they may keep or who they may let go. There's no Mario Williams on this team, you know, where you're wondering if he's going to get cut, et cetera, et cetera. But there are a couple of veterans currently under contract that maybe their time is going to be up. And maybe that happens before free agency. A couple of guys right off the top of my head are Bodine and Ducasse on the offensive line for sure. Uh, Chris Ivory, they could save over $2 million by cutting him. And then that other guy, because I think it's LaShawn McCoy. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that. I know what Brandon Bean said back in January, that he's going to be part of the team's plans for 2019. I'm just not quite there yet buying it. Last year, he said the same thing about Tyrod to a lesser extent, and then he got traded. LaShawn McCoy is 31 years old, dude. He They could save $6.425 million or something like that if they cut him. I just get this feeling that this is a football team that may look to get younger at that position, and maybe that comes in free agency or the draft. You know what I mean? I, I'm just not convinced 100% that LaShawn McCoy is still part of this team's future going forward to 2019. Man, I, I, I'm always thinking of – anytime you bring him up, I'm always kind of like the, the gears in my head are always grinding or rolling or whatever you want to call it. It's I, weird I, I because think, it's I weird. Hold you, on. Let, let, let me cut you off again. Because <laughs> I mean, it's weird, isn't it? He's such a talent, but he – I mean, he went down a hill last year, and I know the offensive line had a lot to do with it, and maybe the off-field issues did as well. But he's a name. He's a star, so I get why you want him. Plus, Josh Allen and him have a great relationship. But the dude's production went off a cliff last year. Yeah. He's a year older. He has off-field stuff that could still become an issue, although it hasn't been to this point. And $6.425 million is a lot of money to save against the cap. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's leaving, dude. I mean, they would have gotten rid of him at the deadline. Like, I don't think – I and they've been pretty, you know – Again, and look, Brandon B could be lying. I mean, he, all these guys lie. In he did public. last year. He said Tyra Taylor was going to be here. He got traded not long after. True. Yeah. I just don't, I just think he would have. I just think they would have got rid of him at the deadline. That's all. Like there was no per point in keeping him at the deadline at all. Like if you were going to move on from him after this year, there was no point. You you knew where you where you stood with him at the deadline. So I think I think they think he's going to be a key part next year with like. You know, new offensive linemen, new new weapons that are going to help take the pressure off of him. You know, the only thing, the only way I can see him getting caught is if something comes out about the the ex girlfriend in Atlanta. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's the only thing like I can see. I don't think he's getting. I don't think he's getting caught. I just I just can't see it. You know, at all. I just you know I I just don't. I mean, if if he gets caught, then fine. I'm not gonna like cry about it. You know, I talked to you earlier. Like, if you're gonna pay a running back, it has to be when you're like one step away from making the Super Bowl. And even then I could listen to you to debate that. But I hope like, like 
if they get rid of him, like get a running back in the third or fourth round, man. Like don't go don't go out there and spend seven million dollars on someone, especially when I don't think you're when you're at least another year or two away from like really like being a playoff team possibly. Well, I think because, last yeah, and I think last year might maybe the reason why they didn't trade him last year is because there was no value there. And maybe it would have pissed off a fan base to lose your most I don't I don't want to say best player at this point, but your most well-known player for a six-round draft because that's all you could get. I don't know. I, I don't think I don't know if fans would have gotten that outrage. I mean, because the Bills were terrible at that point, and I think everyone cared about Josh Allen. Yeah, you and, know, at the, you know, when it comes to it, you sure. know. So I don't know. It's he's a young, now, he's an older not, back, and I think fans are. He's a, he's a little bit of an older back. I think fans would have understood that. Like, okay, yeah, you got to move on from someone who's thirty-one. You know, he, as a running yeah, back, and he might not get cut now. There's no reason. There's no. There's no um, urgency to cut him right now. You're making your team worse if you cut him right now. But depending on what they do, I don't want to say in free agency because I don't think they're going to do anything with the running back in free agency. But if they get a guy they really like in the draft, put it this way. Let's say they find a guy that they really like in the second round or the third round, and he looks amazing during camp in the preseason. And by the time the regular season starts, your your $9 million running back, your 31-year-old $9 million running back is going to be the backup. If that's the case, dude, if somebody supplants him, if they draft a rookie high enough and this guy looks good and supplants him, that's when I think he could be in trouble. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I I could see him not even playing that much in preseason, which he never does ever, unless he gets hurt or something like that. Like he pulls a groin in, in training camp and he misses a month. I just I just don't I don't see it. I think they would have done it by now, and they have the cap room. They like him. Like there's so, there's do. a lot there is evidence. For them to like, hey, move on. Like he makes too much money. He's kind of a dick. You know, he, it's a position that's dying, and you know, you don't have to pay him that much. And he's thirty. There's a lot of evidence for them, but they like him, and I, I think he's. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna keep. They're gonna keep him. I think. You know, I'm looking through my notes, dude. This has got nothing to do with sports. Modern Family will be renewed for an eleventh season. It's final season on the air. You ever watch that show? You a fan? No, you asked me all these fucking shows that I've never watched. You're so ill culture, dude. You're fucking the worst. Dude, that show won best. It won an Emmy for best comedy series five years in a row. The only other show to ever do that is Frasier. No, you got no respect for these shows. You like like two or three things, and then you don't like anything else. You know, uh, I watched a show called You last week on uh, on uh, Netflix. I want to see that. You should watch that. Is it good? That was good. Hey, wait, I, I need your hot take on Maroon 5. How horrible was that halftime show? It was show? really bad. It was terrible. That halftime show is awful. It, I, I, it like, fit in perfect so with the game. It fit in perfect with the game. It was an uneventful first half, and I couldn't wait to tweet out. The first half was so shitty that I could not wait to tweet out. I never thought in a million years I would say the first two and a half hours of the Super Bowl, the best part of it was Maroon 5 at halftime, but it wasn't. They were just as bad as the first half of that game. So shitty, you know, it's, and, and, you know, stupid NFL, you know, they had, they had to fucking alienate Kaepernick and then all these, all these artists were like, yeah, we're not performing and now we're screwed with Maroon 5 for the next 500 years. We'll probably get Dave Matthews band next year or, or we'll get Elton John again or something like that. When it's you you or Tone Fox, anytime the music comes up, I always jump on my laptop as we're talking and I look up billboard from some year on this day. 37 years ago, 1982, Jake Isles band reached number one on the Billboard charts with Centerfold, and it would spend six straight weeks at number one. You remember that song? Was that your jam? You got to sing it for me, buddy. My blood runs cold. Are you fucking serious? You don't know Centerfold? (laughs) 
I need you to sing it, okay? You're I like am a done, for 82. I am done talking old, music with you, dude. No more music with you ever, ever again. Oh, my God. You're going to give me shit for a song in 1982 when I was two effing years old? I don't care like, how old you are. My son's 16. I'll bet you he knows that song. Oh, gosh. Please. <laughs> I, I don't even... I, I hate... I, centerfold. You got to tell me the song. Like, sing it. Oh, I don't know my the God. Name. The music is actually playing in the background when people are listening. Maybe if you actually listen to your own podcast segment, you'll actually know the song on Friday morning. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll tweet to you if I if and when I listen back and you know study it. By the way, NFL's done. You got any interest in the AAF, the the, the new American League starting this weekend? There are oh. some former Bills, by the way, playing. I looked it up. Um, Ron Brooks, remember him? Played cornerback yeah. for the Bills. Kalen Clay, wide receiver. AJ Tarpley, linebacker. Uh, Keith Tolbridge, he was on the roster just as uh preseason the tight end and uh colton schmidt if he's not chugging beers in the parking lot he's on a team <laughs> got any how are you gonna watch how many teams are in the league i think there's eight teams I'm, I'm not sure of all the cities but yeah there's eight yeah yeah i don't care i i you know if i wish i ran a league because i would make it so i would i would i would vince russo it in terms of like Hey, there's going to be only two point conversions. There's going to be like no punting. I, I would make it completely different than the NFL, but if they're not, it's going to be low rent NFL. Yeah, I have no interest. Like, we don't need another football league. I'm looking at the quarterback draft. They had a draft, by the way, where it was only quarterbacks that were drafted. <laughs> this is not the most impressive list ever. Josh Johnson. Um, yes. Let's see who else we got here. Blake Sims. Who the hell's that? Dude, I don't even know. Matt Sims. I know him. Christian Hackenberg. He's with the Memphis Express. Wow. Oh. That's about Where's it. EJ. Why isn't EJ Manuel in that league? He should no be clue. It. Aaron Murray. Yeah, I, remember I, him. I just he don't was... care. I would, I would make it totally open to the public. I would like have TMZ follow them around and see players hooking up with random girls at bars. I'd be like, yeah, that's how I would promote the league, man. I would just make it just attitude era horrible. You know, because you got to be different, man. You're like, I don't know. It feels like it's going to be low rent NFL, like with crappy players. Yeah, I hear you, man. I'm not expecting much from this league, but I'm still going to check it out. Fuck it. It's football and it's the offseason. So I'm at least going to check it out. All right. So before we do get out of here, I got to talk a little bit of WWE. Not a very eventful week as a whole with WWE, but there is one angle that they are progressing. And of course, that's the big one. Concerning Becky Lynch, and now it's uh, on Raw Monday night, she confronted Stephanie McMahon, punched her, beat her up on Tuesday. She slapped Triple H. She's now suspended until she can produce medical records to clear her. I kind of don't like where they're going with that. What got Becky Lynch over with the fans, as far as I'm concerned, is that Stone Cold Steve Austin attitude, meaning being an ass kicker. I almost starting to feel like now with the injury, at least at this point in time, it's kind of setting her up to be Daniel Bryan from five years ago, that ultimate underdog who has to overcome all the odds, the authority to win the championship. Don't like that at all. I hope that that's not where ultimately they end up going with it. I think what might be going on right now, and if so, it probably would make sense, is that they're using this knee injury angle and quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, her suspension as a method to work Charlotte into this. Charlotte gets her spot for the time being. And ultimately, of course, Becky comes back and the main event at WrestleMania that was originally going to be Ronda against Becky Lynch now becomes a triple threat with Charlotte because she'll already have been in because Becky Lynch is out for now with the knee and they throw Charlotte in there. Do you think right now that's what's going on with Charlotte and with WWE? 
Yes, absolutely. Again, you you stole my heat because that's exactly what they're doing. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna throw Charlotte in as like the replacement. Um, I thought her Becky stuff was okay, like being kind of like in the face of the authority and being like "f you." You know, they're that's kind of again a Steve Austin like ripoff of whole. You know, we're gonna have Austin versus McMahon, so it's gonna be like a, a triple you know way of her telling the authority to get bent, but it does stop her momentum a little bit, and I'm fine. I'm not there yet with the whole, like, it would suck if they make her the underdog. Like, she's got to be nursing, like, a leg injury at WrestleMania. Like, that would be horrible. Like, she can work. Like, yeah. So I'm not I'm not there yet. And like, if they do that, then that would be preposterous. But I don't think that that's, I don't feel like that's going to happen. I think this is just a way to get Charlotte into the triple threat match, which we talked, I think we talked about this a couple times. Uh, yeah, I'm not into the triple threat. I think, I'll still watch it. It'll be great, I'm sure. But I thought a Becky versus, uh, Ronda was good enough, but hey, that's what they want to do. They they love Charlotte. Yeah, I think it's a reward. I think they're rewarding Charlotte for being such, you know, for being the consummate professional over the last handful of years, carrying to some extent the women's division. I feel like, you know, when they had the first evolution, the first this, the first that with the with the women, I think that this is going to be the first women's main event at WrestleMania. So I think they're kind of rewarding Charlotte. So I got no real problem with her getting in the triple threat. Plus, I think she's going to ultimately eat the pin. So that Ronda could lose without actually getting pinned. You know what I mean? And then right. she goes away for yeah. a while. But I agree with you. And you made a really good point. I'm not so much against the knee injury right now. If it's going to get Charlotte in, if that's the way they're going to write it in. But I agree with you hundred percent. Her knee better get better before WrestleMania. Like have her gone for, I don't know what that's not till April. Let her sit out for three, four weeks, whatever that match is set. Then she could come back in, pass whatever medical tests, get her ass back in the match. Be a hundred percent. I don't want to watch a, a limping Becky Lynch in the main event at WrestleMania. That that would kind of diminish it for me. Yeah, well, it, it would. I, I agree with that 100. Anything else going on that wrestling wise that you're really interested in? I don't really think this was kind of an un, uneventful week for me. There's nothing I really care about. No, I think I think the interesting thing is about Dean Ambrose leaving and how that's that's gonna that's gonna happen with him. Like, what's he gonna do going into WrestleMania? I've always felt with Ambrose, like he's never. They've messed he or them, whatever you want, both. Whenever he's been a singles guy, he's sucked. He's or not, he hasn't sucked, but he's been very underwhelmed. And they never could really figure him out. And I never, I could never get a grasp on his character or what he was. And allegedly, he wants to leave because he hated them scripting his promos. But you know, they tried, they tried with him, and they just it never worked with Ambrose. Like they did that heel turn that we talked about. Like you know, like wow, what a heel turn. Like, you know, with Roman and and Seth when Roman had, you know, had had a leukemia and they it just died it right flopped. away. It was miserable. That was a it terrible was decision. They should have never done that. It, it, that was just that was worst case scenario. Let me ask you this, though, because here's where we may differ. I'm not convinced that everything that's going on with Dean Ambrose isn't some type of work because it's very unlike WWE to put out a statement saying a guy's going to leave three months before he does. They would just pull your ass from TV and act like you never existed. Yet he's still on TV every week. He goes out. He he sells to Seth Rollins. He sold that uh, curb stomp like he was dead in the middle of the ring. Then he comes out this week and he loses clean to EC3. I have this feeling he's going to keep coming out and losing, which may lead to some sort of angle. I guess, long story short here, I'm not 100% convinced that Dean Ambrose is actually going to leave WWE in April. It's possible. I mean, you're right. I mean, they never... They don't really release stuff, but here's the thing, Pat. When was the last time like a free agent left WWE? Like a legit one. 
I, I don't even remember. Like Rey Mysterio, maybe. Like, and he's back. Like, they don't. Guys leave. Like, you know, but like minuscule guys will leave. You know, like like the last guy I can remember that left maybe, and he was minuscule as well. Was uh, oh Neville when he like kind of had that that issue and he left or whatever the case was was then. You know, Ambrose is a big time free agent. You know, he's a a guy that they have put championships championships on. Him. Maybe this is this is how they're doing it for now on. Yeah. With the PR thing. It's definitely different you if know, they because, do. Yeah, he's a Grand Slam champion. I mean, he is a big name. If he does go to right. AEW, it would definitely obviously be a huge gift for them for sure. Yeah, but I think that's where I think he's going to go. Uh, and I talked about this last week, like, with my finisher. Like, I, I'm really interested to see what happens with all elites. Like, they're going to – if they get him, maybe they can, like, work him better because he they, they're obviously not going to script their promos, I don't think. And uh, I'm excited about seeing what they have to do. But, yeah, yeah his whole – his whole singles run has just kind of been a mess. Like, even going back, remember when he had the Brock Lesnar match at Mania, and that wasn't even a really good b- match or a good build. And yeah. I, could not, I, can, I can't think of many singles runs he's had. I mean, they, they put the belt on him, like, when they went to SmackDown, when they did the brand split. I remember he, he had the belt on SmackDown for a little while. And then he was, he was hurt for most of last year, too, as well. So... It felt like he was only good when he was with the Shield, and then and everything else he was kind of, eh. He was there, and and that heel turn was just awful. I, I I'll never get out of my head that time when he 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 was getting shot up like with uh with Venom. I don't know what the hell they were doing. Like, <laughs> it he was, was terribly like, executed. I kind of like the idea. I'll tell you, you want to talk about shock value? You turn on Seth Rollins the day that Roman announces that he's got leukemia. Right after you win the tag team title, nobody on earth saw that. So a good heel turn happens. When nobody sees it coming, that we knew it was going to come at some point, but we didn't expect it that night. So in that regards, the heel turn was great, but the execution of the program going forth was some of the worst program creative yeah. shit I've seen in a very long time with WWE. It was horrible. It just did not click. Like, like again, that him getting a shot of, of whatever it was like Vaseline because he was going to a, a town and we saw his pelvis. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, this is too. This is completely campy. I'm not taking this guy seriously at all. <laughs> now, I know you're a media-on-media crime guy. Hasn't been a lot of it. It's been kind of boring for you, but we did see a little bit last week. I know your alarm went on when uh, Tim Graham went after Mike Harrington a little bit on <laughs> on Twitter last week. Those two, Man, you want to talk about two guys who just don't like each other. Now, one of the things I love about my podcast is I have guys like you on or Tone Pucks or other people. I don't got to agree with you. You don't have to agree with me. I don't expect anyone to kiss anyone's ass. It's well known. Tim is is a friend of mine of the podcast, and so is Mike. I like both of them a lot. Yeah, I did too. Did you just say I don't? I don't like either of them. I'm saying you don't have to. Just because I do doesn't oh, okay. mean that you I, have I, to. I was like, I don't hate them. I mean, I'm whatever. I'm you know, they're, I'm ambivalent about them, but they're fine. I mean, uh, yes. Anyway, that was that was crazy. <laughs> I think he called. I think he called him a slapdick, or he was like he called him a slapdick, and then he was like, I. This is Tim Graham saying Harrington was a slapdick, and then going, oh. There was when he like gave his notice that he was leaving. He was like, "I don't want to work with two other slap with these two slap dicks." And then I was like, "Well, who's the other slap dick?" And then he tweeted a picture of Vic Carucci and Harrington. So I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's, <laughs> I can't. You know, I I'd love to be a fly in the wall to go back to the last maybe six months where they were all still together at the news. That probably would have made for a really good reality show because clearly it was a group of guys that were kind of. Not getting, not getting along so well, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, again, I like you know, the, I know, like Mike and I like Tim. It's sometimes yeah. it's tough to see, but I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I also get a good kick out of it, and I know a lot of sports fans do as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all started because I, I forgot where it started. I think it was because Mike was like... Well, Mike was really Mike snarky. Mike was being really snarky. He was in a bad mood that night. A lot of people... Oh, right. I, he, he, let, he was in that he did, chair or Mike something. Did, Mike did Mike's biggest weakness, and I told him this. I think he lets Twitter get to him too much sometimes. The fans were on him about Phil Housley or about the lines or something like that. Maybe it might have been spoke. I don't know. It was something along those lines. You know how the fans get with him. He, he yeah. just he bit he bit into it, and next thing you know, he's going at it with fans. And then Tim chimed in with some shit and talked about something else. Mike said when the things happened, I'm the entire hockey department now. When there were still other guys that were still left at the time, blah 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 blah. Anyway. From an entertainment standpoint, I, I get a kick out of it. I know those guys just don't care for each other. It is what it yeah, is. Yeah, they, they, I, I think it has to kill Mike that he doesn't really talk back to Tim ever when Tim like goes. And it's probably the best thing to turn another. I haven't asked him directly, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's been told by his higher ups oh, yeah. at the news. I can, don't I, get in I've a fight with he, people from the athletic. Told, that it, yes. Yeah. I wouldn't I've, be been, I've heard he's been told not to say anything, which I, I'm saying it must kill him because sure. he probably does want to say something. Because he, I mean, he if he if he starts fights with with trolls with like you know 20 followers, he probably would want to start with something with him. Even <laughs> though I would say don't do it because like Graham will pull like the freaking the 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 smoking gun bullet or something of something like from Harrington's past from like 25 years ago. You know, oh, here's Harrington High School photo, and he's got he's got blackface or something. I kid, but you know he. I hear you. Sometimes it's better to say nothing at all, but it's got to be tough yet. It's taken, but like I said, with Mike, dude, he just he gets lured into those. I I think people doing it. In fact, I know people intentionally get under his skin by saying stupid shit and asking dumb questions. Sometimes it's just better to hit that ignore button. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, one more, well, hey, but- one more Buffalo News or former Buffalo News media guy. I know you got to take on this. He's not your best friend, I'll tell you that. Sully, I like Jerry, but again, I'll agree with you on this much because I know you feel the same way. His tweets are terrible. He's a Skip Bayless of oh, Buffalo he- News, or I should say the Buffalo media, I'm sorry. When it comes to tweeting, he's, man, he just says some shit. I, I really think he truly says it for effect. I've talked to Jerry. I know him a little bit. He's a nice guy. I've talked to so many Buffalo sports media people who, to a man, say that Jerry's one of the nicest guys they've ever met, one of the best friends they've ever had. And I could see why from my conversation with him. He's a great guy, but he's a shitty tweeter, man. He's the worst when it comes to tweeting. Yeah, he just doesn't. You said it exactly. He skipped errors. Like, he does it for a fact. And, like, you know, the tweet that you're probably talking about uh, is the one that he said, like, if you if you're rooting, if you root for a team to lose because I'm paraphrasing, like you root, you root for a team to lose when your team is in, is a loser too or something like that. Like, that makes you a loser. Basically, if you're a Bills fan, and you're rooting for the Patriots to lose, you're a loser because the Bills are terrible. So I was like, oh, what the what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Like, uh, does that mean, like, I can't, like, you grew up like in the Yankees. Like, does that mean you can't, when they, the Yankees were bad in the 80s, you couldn't root for the Red Sox to lose because, you know, you, your team was bad? I mean, it's very easy for you to, like, separate the two and go, oh, hey, I want this team to suck. And at the same time, I know my team is not that good. That was a horrible tweet. And, like, I, some, some tweet, Twitter handle that had like over like 300,000 followers like retweeted that like a random fan one retweeted how stupid that was like does that like come on like every every fan base hates other teams you know whether they're bad or good you, you know what i mean like green bay hate you know detroit hates green bay the, the packers does that mean and detroit you know green bay's had like 10 championship rings does that mean like detroit can't can't talk shit because detroit's been bad forever like get the get the f out of here dude like you're just being a contrarian you're you're, you're trying too hard 
to get people riled up and it's it's just it's just phony so yeah he he needs he needs a lesson on that 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 shit maybe maybe that stuff worked 20 30 years ago when there was like four outlets in town and you could get away with being like a curmudgeon and oh i'm gonna i'm gonna make people want to hate me but that doesn't i don't think that works as much anymore with all these outlets well he sure as shit got a good or big response i don't want to say a good one 251 comments i'm looking up right now and the exact quote was if you derive joy from another team losing and your team isn't involved, you are a loser. Terrible tweets. Tell me I did not just see that. Yeah, that's a terrible tweet, man. It's just, it's just a terrible yeah. tweet. If you're a Bills fan, why are you going to root for New England to win? Because your Buffalo's not playing, so you're supposed to root for New England. Again, Sully, great guy. Very, you know, beyond all that, a hell of a columnist. He was for many years. Again, good guy. Just terrible on the Twitter. Mm. Retire the Twitter. That's what I would do if I was him. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, have his son run it or something or have an intern run it. But like he's, yeah, he's awful. But I'm glad we gave him some PR on your podcast, I guess. All right, I'm going to give you a little bit of PR. Everyone follow Joe on Twitter at Buffalo Wins. All right, let's wrap this up, man. What do you got this week? What's your finisher? All right, well, I'm guess what? I'm swerving you because I did have a finisher, but now I just decided to change it because that's how I roll. Um, all right, I don't, <laughs> this is going to be really random, but... I don't know if you go to church, Pat, but uh, if you go to church, I don't. Which I this this and it's okay, you know. I go to church. It's kind of like a guilt thing. Like I feel like my mom's religious, and I kind of go if I'm like down. I'm like, oh, what the hell? I'll just go to church. I got I got 50 minutes to to waste. And when you go to church, there's like this part in the mass. It's like literally like I, I call it the two minute warning. Like it means like okay, the mass is almost over. Thank God. It's called like the peace be with you thing, where you shake everyone's hand in your aisle. And you go like, peace be with you, peace be with you. I don't know what the hell has happened with peace be with you. But growing up, and I went to a Catholic school, used to shake people's hands like during this peace be with you part. Always. No no one, if stands or butts, it, it didn't matter if you were 75 years old or 13, 10, didn't matter. I will sit there and people will not shake each other's hands because they are so concerned about germs or germaphobe. So I'm sitting there. And I go, and I, I'm, I'm like, we're in church. Like, if you believe in God, and I'm not trying to make this religious, but like, if you believe in God, do you think God's going to mess with you in church and go, oh man, I just shook someone's hand and now I have, I don't have, I have chlamydia from it or the crabs or something like that. And I'll be sitting there like looking at someone going, hey, peace be with you, extending my hand. And they look at me with this like incredulous look and they just, they give me the peace sign. And I'm like, okay, peace. And then like, I don't even know what to do. Like, do I shake the, the other the other person's hand next to me, or are they going to give me the peace sign? And then what happens is that person goes and they'll shake my hand, and I'm like not prepared to shake the hand. I'm like, oh yeah, hey, here, peace be with you. The point is this: there's a lot of germs in the world, and like for you not to shake someone's hand like in church, I think you really are paranoid. There's germs everywhere at the end of the day, especially in New York City where you ride the damn subway every day. I mean, there's probably boogers on the subway steps and everything. And for me not to be able to shake someone's hand at church because they gave me like the stink eye or they gave me the peace sign and I'm like right next to them. Like that's not how I was raised. So just bring back shaking hands. Okay. We're not going to die by shaking someone's hands. We're in the house of God for God's sakes. Well, I'll tell you what, next time you go to church, this is what I want you to do. Get down on your knees, pray to the big man above and say, dear Jesus, will you please tell me how the song Centerfold by Jake Owls Band goes? I still cannot believe 
that you don't know the words of that fucking song. All right, Pat. All right, good job, Joe. So I probably was going to watch the Grammys this Sunday, even though, if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't even know half the artists anymore. And maybe I know a third of the songs if I'm lucky. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just not that hip anymore at this age of my life. Whatever. But watching the Grammys is just something I've always enjoyed doing. So I wasn't committed to it, but I was probably leaning towards a yes for the Grammys on Sunday. But I'll tell you what. If I had any hesitation at all, that deal was sealed on Wednesday night. I saw and heard one of the best music parodies maybe ever. And that alone makes me not just want to watch the Grammys, but really, really look forward to it. Let me uh, set the stage here. I've become a big fan of James Corden from the Late Late Show over the past few years. That carpool karaoke, all the stuff he does. I, I just absolutely, I love it. I like him to the point, to be honest with you, probably now more than than Kimmel or, or Jimmy Fallon or Colbert, any of those guys. Anyway, he had Alicia Keys on his show, and I am a huge Alicia Keys fan, and she's hosting the Grammys on Sunday. They went on and they collaborated on a parody of Lady Gaga's hit, Shallow, that song that she sang with Bradley Cooper for, um, for A Star Is Born. It's a parody, but here's the thing. Even when she's doing a parody, Alicia Keys is so freaking insanely talented with such a gorgeous voice that even when she's singing with parody lyrics, it just still sounds ridiculous. Check this performance out, okay? I'm going to replay it right here. And like I said, Alicia Keys single-handedly now has me locked into the Grammys on Sunday night. This was awesome. Check it out. Tell me something, Keys. I hear you set to host this year's Grammys. Didn't you host it twice? Maybe you could give me some advice. Comfy shoes. After four hours, you'll find yourself. Drinking cheap booze, <laughs> stealing from gift bags a candle for free. Try not to be scared, act like you've been there. Hosting the Grammys, the Grammys. 
right, that is a wrap for this episode. Big thank you again to my buddy Joe, the Running with Joe. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Buffalo Wins. Coming up next week, I have not just one, but two really good shows in store for you. Next Tuesday, I'll have Charlotte Wilder from Sports Illustrated, also Most Valuable Podcast, also The Wilder Things. Hands down, one of the most talented sports media people in the business today. Really looking forward to doing that. And then next Friday, I'll have John Vogel from The Athletic on. We'll be talking Buffalo Sabres, all kinds of other stuff. By the way, you know how you can get access to those shows faster than anyone else? All you got to do is subscribe to this podcast. It's so quick. It's easy. It's completely free. And like I said, the benefit of subscribing is that when you do, you get episodes within minutes of their release quicker than anybody else. All you got to do is go to your iPhone, your iPad, whatever, just pull it out, open up that Apple Podcast app, type in Moranalytics Podcast under search, hit the subscribe button. Literally, that's it. That's all you got to do. Have new shows every Tuesday and Friday. Bonus points, by the way, if you want to leave a nice five-star rating and a review. I'm right on the cusp of getting on those iTunes charts, dying to get on those. So your subscribing will definitely help that out. If iPhones or iPads aren't your thing, Or if you just prefer to get your podcast elsewhere, you can hit us up on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter for updates, news, takes, God knows what else, podcast polls, all kinds of shit. You could do that at Pat Moran Tweets. Have a good weekend. Talk to you guys again next Tuesday. Again, Two big shows next week. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.